but I'm very honored to be sharing, and I feel like I have an important word for uh, our body today, and just what God has been doing in our hearts um, through Russ and through um, just all the prophetic ministry and stuff, and so, um, yeah, I, I, I feel blessed. I also feel the uh, stirring in my heart. I have so much to say, and I just don't want to miss anything, so hopefully I get all this in. Uh, yeah, so the, what I'm going to talk about today is uh, pursuing your promise, pursuing the promise of God on your life, pursuing the, the calling and the prophetic words over your life. I, I feel like this is super important. Um, you know, we have someone like, like Russ who comes in, and he's uh, prophetically anointed and gifted, and he, um, he gives a lot of us words. He gives us these encouraging words uh, where, you know, we receive it, and we see a glimpse of our future maybe, and God really speaks to us. But I think so much of the time, it's so easy to kind of stop there and, and be like, oh, God, thank you for that word. I'm so encouraged. But, like, what does it look like to actually walk that out and move towards that? Um, you know, if we're at A as a church and then there's Z, like, or Z. What do Canadians say? Do we say Z or Z? Z. I lived in America for three years, so I always say both, which is weird. Um, but if we're at A and we're going to Z, how, what, are, you know, what is B, C, D, and what does the rest of all that look like? Actually walking into our promise um, I have a few examples of this uh, with my friends. Uh, I'm not going to say their names just in case they ever just search me up on YouTube and they can find me because I'm being recorded. But um, I had a friend, I remember in, in Bethel, when I was there for three years, did the school ministry there. Um, and I'd have certain friends who were like, oh, man, like, I'm just called to change the nations. I'm called to uh, influence famous people and to be incredibly rich and, like, finance the kingdom and, and do all these amazing things. Uh, you know, but he couldn't get a job. Uh, he... You know, he stayed in his house. He had a hard time going to church. Um, an amazing person, but, like, all these, all these callings and these dreams in Christ, but he couldn't even take one step kind of towards it. And, um, you know, like, he'll call me and be like, man, can you just pray for me? I really feel God just spoke to me that I'm supposed to be, like, best friends with Justin Bieber, man. And I'm like, and I'm like sweet. He's like, so you just pray that word over me? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm like, you need to, I mean, if that's going to happen, which I'm like, that's really got to be God, I think. I'm like, then you got to start making steps towards that, right? Um, I, or I'd have other friends. Um, once in a while, I work out and stuff. And so um, I have friends, I had friends in high school who were like, man, I just want to get jacked. Like, I just want to get huge. Like, you know, I really feel like I'm supposed to be strong and I don't want to be really masculine or whatever. And so I'm like, okay, cool, man. Like, come to the gym. Like, uh, let's go, like, you have to come at least three times a week or, like, four times a week to actually see some results. And they come for a month, and they're like, man, like, you know, I'm not seeing any results, so I'm just going to stop coming to the gym with you. And I'm like, all right, man. And then they come back to me, and they're like, man, how are you getting stronger? And I'm like, because I go to the gym five times a week. That's, <laughs> that is how I get stronger. And so um, I just think it's super important for us when we feel we have a good word or we feel like we're called to do something, we actually take steps towards that. Um, no matter if it's hard or if there's a process involved, that we actually stop and say, you know, God, I want this more than anything, most of all to serve you and to love you because I want to see you made famous and glorified. Um, and so I'm going to take the steps, even if I look stupid or even if I look crazy, that I'm going to say yes to God. Um, I think a really clear picture of this, um, Bill Johnson, many of you guys know Bill Johnson. Raise your hand if you do. If you don't, you got to just type him on YouTube and listen to him for a bit. Um, he's an amazing man. His yes to God has literally changed my life and millions of others in Katrina's life. Um, and a bit of his story is he, uh, he was pastoring a church in Weaverville, California. And I think 
he moved sometime uh, late 90s to be a pastor at Bethel. And at the time, he felt God speak to him and just say, like, you know, you need to press into revival. You need to press into reformation. You need to uh, just release the kingdom of heaven in this place. And as he started doing that more and more, um, I think he had 1,500 people at his church and about, I think, 1,200 people left, like, within a month or something. So when God is speaking to him, like, hey, you're going to be, you know, this huge um, apostolic resource center, um, then he's experiencing all this decrease in his congregation, all these people are leaving. And at this time, while everyone was leaving, um, he's receiving words from like, prophets and people, men, men and women of God, and, who are just saying, like, you're going to be, uh, you know, a house of the nations. You're going to have a school with nations that come. And currently now they have, like, 80, 80 different nations that go to their school ministry. And so at that time when they're experiencing just, like, cut off and, and things are just sucking and things are terrible, God is speaking to them saying, you're going to this place, though. And, and his yes to God, like, changed my life. And now that's all happening. There's, like, 1,800 first-year students, 1,000 second-year students. And, like, yeah, Charles went, too. Charles knows, like, it's just this powerful place where God is moving. But it's because of his yes and saying, you know, I'm not just going to receive a word from God, but I'm going to, like, do whatever it takes to get to it. Uh, so that's the, the main message I want to talk about today. So um, hold on a second here. Yeah, so I wanted to share a really quick story about uh, God spoke to me on Friday just super clearly. I was, um, what was I doing? I was listening to actually Brian Houston. I don't usually listen to Brian Houston too much. I think he's like the, the main pastor of Hillsong. A uh, powerful guy, though, very inspirational. And he just started talking about like the call of God and that we're all called to greater influence and just our significance in Christ and and just that we're meant to change the whole entire world. And in that moment, God just spoke to me really clearly in the car. And uh, he just spoke to me. And he's like, you know, Chris, like, you have love in your heart. But you're called to love so much more. Uh, you know, you have a calling. But you're called to so much more than you can imagine. You know, like, you love your wife well. But, like, you can love your wife so much more. And, you know, you know you're part of your potential. But there's so much more potential for you. And for me, in my personality type, uh, for some, that might be discouraging. But for me, like, I was, like, just so encouraged. I'm like, oh, thank you, God. Like, like, like let's go. Like, there's so much more, and I want it, God. I don't want to be stagnant. I don't want to be um, caught up in just being still. I think, to me, like, that is one of, the, like, the least attractive qualities for anyone, I think, is just when we're just stagnant. It's just when we're stagnant. We're satisfied with where we're at. And I think that just bothers me, especially in Christianity and in the kingdom. When I see people... Um, who are just, like, satisfied with where they're in Christ, and they don't think there's more to their, they don't think that they can love more or, or, or share their faith more or step out more and believe for more. I'm just like, come on, guys. Like, there is so much more that God wants to do. Like, you're, you are going to die one day, and you need to know that. Like, there's things that God has placed in your life that you need to accomplish because we don't have long. And I also apologize. I'm really okay with the fact that I'm going to pass away one day. So if anyone's not, I apologize if that triggered you a bit. But... You're going to have to get over it. It's real. <laughs> so Matthew 5.16 here says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Your light w- Oh, that's not part of the verse. That's my next point. But your light, when it shines, it glorifies God and it points people towards God. So whether you're at a store or you're in business, uh, you're at stay-at-home mom or dad, mom or dad, either one, um, Whatever you're doing, like, when you shine, it glorifies God. As a parent, when you sh- I'm not a parent yet, but I'm guessing when you're a parent and you shine, it glorifies God and it points your kids towards God. Uh, in ministry, when you shine, it points people towards Jesus. 
And I think so many of us have a basket over our head. You know, God has individual promises and a calling over your life, each of you. And that's like the main thing I want to get across today is that each of you are so significant and like so powerful. And I think like I had this really clear vision one time uh, where it was just this crazy encounter. I don't get these all the time, but I was in this hut with a bunch of people. Um, and there was this snake that was like this giant snake that was going around to all these different villages and these huts and just like destroying everyone. And just and I believe like it's just the devil. That, like, that represented the devil. And as it came to our hut, all of us were afraid. But I noticed we all had swords. We all had shields. We all had weapons. But we were all just cowering in fear. But then I just heard the voice of the Lord speak to me and say, grab a sword and kill this thing. And so when it came in, we, I rallied up a group of people and we just, we just destroyed. We just murdered the snake and just murdered the devil. And we're like, what are we afraid of? And we started going from village to village to village, just destroying all these snakes that are killing people. And I think so many of us, the biggest lie you can believe in Christ is that you don't have significance, that you don't have a calling or a purpose. But each of you have a, have a calling and a purpose in Christ that only you can accomplish. And you have an authentic expression of Christ that only you have that God needs you to express. Come on. Ah, there's so much more of my heart here. It's hard to, it's really hard when you feel something in your heart so strong to always communicate it. I think it's one of the things I want to continue growing on is being able to communicate to people. Like, you are actually so significant. You have no idea the calling on your life. You know, when Jesus, when, when, he, went, when he got sucked up into heaven, his Holy Spirit uh, got poured out on us. That's a sucked up into heaven. I've never said that before. I don't know why I said that. When Jesus got sucked up into heaven, Holy Spirit blew out on us. Like, he passed the baton for his ministry. Jesus changed the world, and he's like, hey, now your turn. You're a co-heir. You're a partner with me. You're my son. You're my daughter. We're in business together with the Father. It's not like he's saying, you know, like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to give you some things to do. He's like, no, you are in business with the Father. Like, you are inheriting your father's business. Just think about anyone here, like, when you, when a father, when you have a business or a mother, and you pass it off to your children, they are taking on the business now. So we're not just like people who are called just to walk around and go to church and get filled up, but actually change the world with who we are in Christ and glorify God. Um, so I'm going to talk a bit about uh, my heart really quick. Mm. Anyone uh, watched the conference in Toronto online in January or was, was there? Awesome. Okay. So yeah, we went to Toronto, team of us uh, to Toronto, and uh, it was awesome. It was just crazy uh, what God did there. Um, but one of the, the most powerful things there, mm, sorry, I have so many notes here. I'm just trying to pick and choose so I don't, like, eat up all your guys' time here. But, um, yeah, I'll start off with this. Just um, when I was younger, I had this really clear uh, picture with Jesus. I was in heaven with him. And I, I shared this before when I was preaching um, last year. But I saw this picture of Jesus, and he took two film strips. And one of them was smudged, I think, like, Three quarters of the way, and the last of it was like this beautiful uh, art picture kind of dealio. And I said, God, like, what does this film strip mean? Like, what does this mean? And he said, this is if you live your life in fear. For the rest of your life, you live in fear. And then finally you realize, you're like, I'm going to pass away one day. I need to get off my butt and burn for Jesus and make an impact. And you break out of fear. You break out of shame. And you start living out your faith. And I'm like, okay, God, I, I do not want that one, clearly. And so then Jesus showed me the next one. And the rest of the, the one here was uh, about a quarter smudge, black and gray and, and, and kind of ugly. But the rest of it was beautiful. And this film strip was, like, full of art. And it was, like, 3D and, and like, 
had different dimensions in it and color that I've never seen. It was just crazy. And Jesus just spoke to me and he said, you know, this is if you actually break out of fear now and out of shame and you just pursue my calling, pursue the calling of your life, pursue the promises of God over your life. And ever since then, I've been changed. I, uh, I wanted to share a bit about my, uh, uh, one of my encounters I had in Toronto there too. I, um, so th- about three or four years ago when I was in Bethel, um, like, when you're in school, there's, like, always a group of people or maybe, like, some individuals who are just, like, a bit crazy. They're just a bit out there. Like, I, I am, I'm charismatic. I grew up in a really conservative Alliance church, actually, until I was 17. And that's when I, like, finally found out the Holy Spirit was real, that there's healing, there's miracles, there's prophetic words, all those things. And, um, but when I was in Bethel first year, this, like, short lady comes up to me. She grabs my face. And uh, keep in mind, I don't know her. <laughs> so it was really weird. She comes up and grabs my face. And she's like, you have an angel behind you. And just looking into my eyes, and I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> and, um, but when she said that, like, as weird and awkward as it was, because, I mean, she was grabbing my face, and she was about this close, and I could smell her breath, and it was not great. I felt like it was important, though. And um, so that night, I went home, and I went to this soccer field near my house, and I was just spending time with God under the stars. And I'm like, okay, hey, Jesus, like, if I have an angel, show me. Like, is this real? And, you know, does anyone else ever, like... Not that you're skeptical. Does anyone ever just kind of, like, not know, like, okay, was this real or is this not, you know? You know, sometimes you're calling. You're like, God, did you really call me to that? Or am I just hearing things? Am I just trying to boost myself up here? But probably just me. I'm the only sinner here. (laughs) I'm a heathen. Um, But I, uh, so anyways, I was at the playing field, and I just said, Jesus, if this is real, I want you just to um, reveal it to me, please. And all of a sudden, I just saw this huge angel in front of me. And God spoke to me. He's like, this is Hezekiah. This is your angel. And never heard the name Hezekiah before. Never heard about, you know, I've never seen an angel until that time. And so I'm like, well, that's awesome. And so um, I never actually researched who Hezekiah was. Never kind of, re- like, just had no idea who Hezekiah was in the Bible. And he's actually a very significant figure. Um, so then back to January at the conference, I was sharing this with Ken and the team. Um, I'm hearing Bill Johnson preach, and I'm like, oh, man, I miss this man. I miss his word, the, the, the word on his life and the calling on his life. And just as I'm listening to him, he starts preaching about Hezekiah. And I'm like, oh, Hezekiah. And something just, a light bulb goes on. I'm like, oh, hey, that's the, that's the thing that happened to me, you know? Like, that's my angel guy, and he's preaching about him. And apparently Hezekiah is actually a king, and he's one of the greatest kings of Judah to ever reign. And the, the kind of, like, long story short about him is that his father was the most evil, uh, I think one of the most evil kings of Judah that ever ruled. Um, but then Hezekiah, he was a man after God's heart. He made God the center of every single thing he did. And uh, he reformed the entire nation. And so um, all the occult things that his father put in place, all the pagan things in the high places, he tore down, he stripped down the culture of society to be centered around the presence of God. And I just got so rocked because it's just crazy. Like, part of my testimony is, like, I was, like, well, my parents are amazing. It's nothing to do with my parents, but I was born into, like, sin, and I was, and I had, I had such a, like, struggle when I was younger with sin and with smoking weed and drinking and all these things, and God completely redeemed my life and started speaking over me, hey, you're a king. You're meant to help love people and bring people into the presence of God and reform culture, and and as he just started sharing all this stuff, like, something just went off in my heart where I'm like, okay, God, you're clearly speaking to me. And the whole entire idea sometimes for people that when you say, like, hey, I'm a king or a queen in Christ, they're like, that's weird. But it's biblical. And um, God's called all of us to be kings and queens to restore the earth back to the way that God had it with Adam and Eve. And um, something just, like, triggered in my heart. And God spoke to me right after that. And this is a word for our body. I shared this um, when we came back. But... 
He spoke and he said, aches and pains will be healed in your body. We will begin to thrive and be mobilized, filled with the Holy Spirit, reviving and reforming the city and nation, heavenly downloads for business leaders and politics, a center of healing where people from far and wide will come to receive complete healing, most emotionally healthy church in the world. I like that one a lot. A band of brothers and sisters, leaders and influencers, shapers and movers, sons and daughters, kings and queens, shapers of culture, equipping center for pastors and children of God from the nations, home of God and heart of the Father. And I heard him say this clearly. He said, I have poured out my spirit and you have served the nations well. Now I am pouring out my spirit to serve your nation for a total reformation of the way your people think. Come on. So there it is. That's our, that's our Z. That's where we're, I feel God is bringing us. And so there's that tension where we're here and God wants to bring us there. And what are we going to do practically to actually walk that out? And who wants to be a part of it? Because I'm going this way. I know a lot of people, other people in here are going this way. But I know a lot of time I see a lot of Christians who I know, I'm like, you're not even close to this path. Like, you're not, even, you're not even wanting this. You're not even trying to pursue this. But I'm like, who else is going this way? And I really believe that God, um, I believe that not only is God waiting for people that are listening to his voice and his spirit and his leadings, you know, that's first of all, but also people who are going to steward it and the people who are going to pursue it. And those are three different things. I have so much to share with you guys here. If I'm going past time, just let me know. Hebrews 4, 1 to 3 says, Now God has offered to us the same promise of entering into his realm of resting in confident faith. So we must be extremely careful to ensure that we all embrace the fullness of that promise and not fail to experience it. That is so good. For we have heard the good news of deliverance just as they did, yet they didn't join their faith with the word. Instead, what they heard didn't affect them deeply, for they doubted. For those of us who believe, faith activates the promise, and we experience the realm of confident rest. I just love this here. For we have heard the good news of deliverance, just as they did, yet they didn't join their faith with the word. So there, there comes a part on our side where we say, God, you have spoken your promises, but I'm going to partner my faith with it. And I'm going to say, yes, Jesus, you are going to do this. also love this part about saying, uh, faith activates the promise, and we experience the realm of confident rest. Because so many of us, we don't, we, don't, we don't live in a place of rest. We don't have peace in our hearts. You know, we, we spout out and we're angry at people. Or, you know, like we come to church and we're good, but then all of a sudden during the week, you know, we're triggered. You know, we speak ill of people behind their backs. Um, we, you know, we condemn other people. Or we're just, sometimes we're just not, we don't have peace in our hearts. But God just says one of the first promises that we can partner our faith, faith with is that God wants to bring us into confident rest. So not just a place where we're, uh, we spend time with God here and there, but a place where we're confidently resting in his spirit always and that we can have peace in our hearts. And so if you aren't experiencing that, that is one promise that God has promised to you in your life. So one huge thing here I think is so powerful is just the simple thing that our concept, that action creates momentum, and momentum in your life creates movements. I wrote here, this is kind of funny, I, probably, I wasn't going to share this, but God's promises don't come to pass when we sit on our big fat butts and do absolute, absolutely nothing about it. <laughs> but yeah, God's promises unfold when we partner our life with it. So um, a simple story, for, I think with me, is just when I got saved when I was 16, I heard really clearly God just speak to my heart, just saying, like, you're going to be in youth ministry. And I knew in my heart there was a moment where I'm like, okay, you know what, like, I can go home and I can be um, unchanged and I can just kind of, you know, go back to my life the way it was, but I knew I'm like, okay, like first I'm going to start spending time with God. 
and then I'm actually going to, you know, I'm going to graduate because graduating is important from high school. And then, you know, like I'm going to start looking at Bible schools and universities and stuff. And then all of a sudden, I'm building momentum towards something that God's brought me to. And now I get to be in youth ministry, and I get to serve broken youth all the time. Not these youth at the church. These youth are perfect because I'm also <laughs> part-time youth pastoring here or whatever. But, like, the church, like, all the kids at Youth for Christ, they're so broken. And I get to just release my testimony. And God's promise when I was saved, I got to take some steps towards it. And now I'm living in the fruit of that. And it's just so, it's so practical, and I feel like some people are just looking at me like, yeah, of course, but it's like, no, really, like, what promises and callings are on your life that you can start taking steps towards? And for me, like, I know personally, I am not where I want to be, like, and that can sometimes be daunting, that can be discouraging, because you see a future version of yourself, um, and it's so easy to get discouraged and be like, man, I'm just not there, like, God, you want to do this, but here I am. But God just really wants us to encourage us that there's a process. There's a process involved. I want to see this entire nation saved. I want to see reformation. I want to see revival. And I don't care if people think I'm crazy because if your vision isn't big enough that people think you're crazy, then it's just, it's not big enough. And it anyway, so that's kind of my heart about why I want to preach on this, about pursuing your promises. So um, like I said before, during this process, sometimes you can get so discouraged um, knowing you're not somewhere. But one of the keys, I think, um, in pursuing the promises of God is actually just having friends that champion you, they come around you and they champion you into your call of God. So touch your neighbor and say, you need better friends. <laughs> I need better friends. <laughs> Sorry, that's kind of rude. <laughs> hey? Yeah, it's public knowledge. No, I love my friends. Um, <laughs> backpedal. Um, actually, it was back in January. I don't know, January. No, sorry. It was like a, January, like a year and a, and a while ago, where I started just asking God, like, hey, I need some super just sincere people in my life. I um, was just feeling a little bit lonely and kind of just, just kind of like isolated. Me and Katrina have crazy schedules where. Um, I work a lot of nights, like afternoon to nights with Youth for Christ, and she works mornings to afternoons, so we don't see each other a lot. We just have a lot going on, and um, in that, just being vulnerable, I just felt like a little bit isolated, like I didn't have people around me that were like-minded. Working at Youth for Christ is great, and I love them, and I honor them. We're, I'm just very different. I'm a different kind of flow or a different kind of, like, yeah, we're just a little bit different in our charismatic expression, and um, I started just praying and asking God, you know, um, you know, like, I want more, I want some more, like, sincere brothers uh, that I can just, like, go and, and, and do life with and be intentional, and, and, like, or I just want to, I just wanted to do that more, and, and God just spoke to me, and he's like, you know, he's like, I'll give you that, but he's like, but are you looking to actually get more from people or to give more, and he spoke that to me really clearly, and, and I was like, oh, yeah, you're totally right, like, I'm like, God, I just need this, I need it, but God's like, no, like, I'll, I will honor you when your heart is to give. I do know you have a need, and I will bless that. But also, I, wanted to, I want your heart to be, I will give to these people and I will love. And so as I started doing that, as I made that simple shift in my heart, I just started to be more intentional with my friends. Um, like a lot of friends here, like Eric and, and Ken or Trev, or I felt like, um, and just even God brought some other brothers in my life where I could just be intentional. And so that is such a, an important thing, I think, if you want to pursue the call of God in your life, is to simply just say, I need some brothers or I need some sisters to kind of run after God with who are going to champion me. Um, I'm so blessed to be in this house this morning. Like, before I was going to preach, when we were in our, our meeting there, uh, just having people rally around us and pray for me and Eric as he was leading worship and I'm preaching. Um, just having people behind you that love you and they're, they're for you. 
And I think, too, sometimes people are like, they're like, oh, man, I really want really good fr- like Christian friends in my life. And I'm like, well, that person who's your best friend is definitely not meant to be your best friend. <laughs> sometimes we have people who are best friends or close to us in our life that God has not put there, you know. I, re- I see relationships kind of like an onion, many layers. <laughs> but seriously, like, um, in the center is, like, is this place for you and God and, like, your spouse and then outside of that is, like, your family and your closest friends. And then outside of that um, can be other friends and stuff. But I really believe that God has called your closest friends to not only be Christian, but people who are pursuing God and on fire for God. And you can tell who you're becoming by who you're surrounded with. Amen. That's not my quote, but I like it. Uh, and, and for those of you, too, that are in a place of wanting more friends, and you are actually, you, your heart is right with God, and you're looking for friends, and it hasn't worked out, I just want to encourage you and let you know that that will happen in its timing, and, and God is for you, and he has the right people at the right time, but he doesn't have the wrong people at the right time, right? Does that make sense? I just said it, so hopefully it made sense. Um, and, you know, and then one thing I encourage you is when you do get these friends is to be vulnerable, I think vulnerability, especially among men, we are sometimes so bad at that as a church and as a society. You know, we want to show up to church and we want to smile and just, hey, how are you doing? How are you? But deep down, we're like, actually, I have some needs that are super unmet. Like, I need people to see me and know me and love me. Be vulnerable and tell somebody, hey, you know, could you pray for me? I'm feeling discouraged. I'm feeling like, you know, I'm feeling rejected. I'm feeling like I'm not enough. Like, those are okay feelings. People have those. But it's just about expressing them and saying, hey, Talk to your wife, talk to your husband, talk to your friends, talk to somebody and just let them know. Let them in on your journey. And I think sometimes, you know, we get bitter because we're like, we're, we, we aren't vulnerable with other people. We aren't vulnerable in our walk with God or in life. And so then we're like, oh, this person just doesn't care about me. No one cares about me. And they're like, God's like, no, actually they do. But you need to let them in. You need to let them see your heart. And I think so many of us, especially as guys, we're not good at that. We just want to, you know, hey, like, what's up, dude? You want to go for... Uh, a Coke, <laughs> Coca-Cola, <laughs> not a beer. I want to go for a beer or something. Or you want to go watch a game? Hey, yeah, cool, man, boo, yeah. Want to go to lift weights? Yeah, okay, sweet. But it's like, no, like, you can, whatever, be a man, do all that stuff, but be vulnerable and tell somebody how you're feeling. Like, that is just such a false view on masculinity that you can't just be open and real with somebody. I think it's authentic, and it actually opens up people to come into your life and be a part of your process. Yeah. Um, and so I believe another absolutely essential key to pursuing your promise is you need to have your heart healed up. So yeah, so it's actually, and also you need to start talking to yourself. So touch your neighbor and say your heart needs to be healed up and you need to talk to yourself more. For sure. Definitely need your heart healed up. If you need your heart healed up, Claude and Yvonne, they're your people. I will honestly say to everyone very candidly that if you have not pressed into God to have your heart healed up or actually taken like formal any healing, you need to do it. And like I told a lot of people last time I preached, I went to three years of Bethel and I'm like, like I'm a superstar, like I'm ready to change the world, let's go, woo. And then I'm like, okay, lead team has to get their hearts healed up and their healing. And I went there and I'm like, I have so many issues <laughs> that I did not know I had. And not in a bad way, but just a real way. I'm like, holy crap, like I have issues from my family lineage. I have issues from the way I was growing, like I was raised up in, in school and in church, whatever, all these things. And it's okay. Like none of us are perfect. We are saints in Christ and we are being transformed into the image of God, but we still have earthly things that are going in our hearts, and that's just being real. That's okay. Um anybody, like any of the lead team that has had our hearts healed up, we can tell you stories. 
that are just probably pretty funny, but also really real of just things that are going to hurt. like, it's just crazy. It's nuts. I could open that can and just talk about it for an hour. Uh, but, um, again, have you guys ever been around somebody where you're, like, talking to them and, like, there's just something going on. Like, you're looking at them and their, like, face is, like, twitching when they're looking at you or they're just giving off so much negativity or something that you're, like, I just don't want to be around you. <laughs> like, I'm, like, super positive and I have had that before where, like, at different jobs and stuff where I'm just, like, you're, like, the last person I want to be around. And, like, you would find me. They'd be walking this way and I would just be, like, okay, I'm going to go this way now. And I would walk around the building just to avoid them. But just like we need our hearts healed up. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2 says, As for us, we've, we have all of these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. That's a good point. People are watching you. Heaven is watching you. They know what's going on in your heart. So don't think you're the only one that knows. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us and the sin that we so f- easily fall into. Then we will be able to run life's marathon with passion and determination. For the path has been already marked up before us. And it's just so much good stuff in there. So first, we have to let go of every wound and sin that has pierced our hearts. Things that have hurt our hearts, we have to let go of. And then we'll be able to run with passion and determination, the path that God has set out for us. So your calling or your destiny. These verses fit really well into my message. It's very, like, it's awesome. Um, So, and I think this is so important. Like, I actually don't think there is anything more essential or crucial in the body of Christ than our, our hearts getting healed up. Um, like, I see so many people in ministry who are running around, and their hearts aren't healed. They have an orphan spirit. And when you talk to them, you can just tell. Like, you're just like, wow, that was very orphan, what you just said or did. And you're like, that is not good. But, like, out of, like, it's easy to be like, when your heart starts getting healed up, you can point at other people. You're like, the way you're acting right now, your heart's just not healed up. But what God wants is not us to, like, point it out and be like, oh, now I know, so I'm, I'm great. You know, it's being like, no, like, I love you, and I want you to heal, and I want to honor you. And even though you do have this orphan spirit, like, I want to see you fathered into, into God's arms more and know how loved you are. Um, I remember, I won't mention the names, but I had someone call me one time, and they're like, hey, man, like, so how are you doing? Like, I'm doing this big thing, this big conference thingy. Like, um, they're like, what have you been up to? Like, what have you been doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm just, you know, doing life. Like, I didn't, I didn't really know them well. But they're like, yeah, like, that's cool, man. Like, I just, I'm traveling, and my pastor's sending me here to preach. And, like, I'm doing all these really big things in God. Like, are you doing anything with big in God, kind of? Okay, cool. And I was like, yeah, I got to go. And I'm like, what the heck was that? And I'm like, there was an orphan just written all over it. I'm like, calling me to tell me that you're doing amazing things and then hanging up on me. And I'm like, okay, like, kind of like, you know, I'm better than you. And I'm like, no, I didn't say anything back to him or to this person, but I'm like, hey, like, you know, that's actually sad. I'm like, I don't want that person walking around feeling that they need to be better than others and they need validation and they need to be like, look at me, I'm awesome, you know. But it's like, hey, you're seen by God and you're loved and you are doing great things, but just know that God loves you and he's proud of you. Like, you don't have to compare yourself to others. I remember when I was at Bethel in first year, well, in all the years, it's so easy to struggle with comparison because so many people there are just amazing. Like, I'm talking about you have 1,800 people from 80 nations, and every person there is just burning for revival. They're leaders. They have character. Some people are actually literally changing their, their region or their nation, and it's just so easy to be like, oh, like, I'm insignificant. Like, you know, I had friends leading, like, Hell's Angel gang groups to the Lord. And I'm like, what? I'm like, that's crazy. I'm like, I wouldn't even want to talk to them, but like, <laughs> that's just nuts. I'm like, that's so cool though. And, you know, in my heart, it was so easy just to be like, like, you know, like, 
I remember my friend Peyton, he would get the craziest words of knowledge. Like, we'd be on the streets together walking, and he'd go up to this, like, this kind of sketchy-looking guy, and he's like, dude, he's like, roll up your pants a little bit. He's like, you have two uh, scars on your knees because you, you broke your knees in a skateboarding accident when you were 12. The guy would roll up his, his, his pants, have a scar there, broke his knees when he was 12 skateboarding. And I'm, like, looking at him, and I'm like, how did you do that? Like, God, I'm right here. Speak to me, too. Like, come on. And... I would, you know, I think we all get this thing in our hearts when we see somebody who's anointed or walking what we want to walk in, and we're like, you know, like, you're anointed, but, like, you probably have a character flaw, you know, you're probably watching things you shouldn't be, so, like, that's why, you know, there's something wrong, like, because I, I have to be, you know, I have to be the best, or I, ha- I have to be this, and so you start making up all these reasons, like, to look at people's character and doubt them and, like, be like, oh, they're just seeking attention, or all these things, or at least I do. Am I the only one? Is there other people here? No one raises their hand, so, like, I am not raising my hand. Um, but, like, I actually got to go up to my friend Peyton, and, well, now he's my friend, but, like, at the time, I went up to him, and I'm like, dude, like, I have to repent before you, man. Like, I've been comparing myself to you, and it's been, like, super crappy, and I'm really sorry that I've done that. Like, you're actually an amazing guy, and I just honor the gift you have. And I just go up to him, like, can you just, like, teach me how you're doing this? And... Like, it was such a beautiful moment of vulnerability, but also just getting my heart healed up in that area, being like, man, I'm being an orphan right now. Can you just help me out? And he became one of my best friends in school, and he was actually my roommate in third year. And just like so many of us have this going on our hearts on different levels, other things, and if we're going to pursue our promise, if we're going to pursue the call of God in our life, we have to be healed up. We cannot expect that broken people are going to come into the kingdom and into wholeness if we're not whole. It just doesn't make sense. You know, we're broken and we're insecure and we're walking around like, oh, everyone hates me. Hey, get saved. Okay, cool. It's like, you don't want to shepherd people into that. Like, that's gross. I'd be like, no, no, no. Don't go with them. Go to this church. Like, go over there. You know, so like, I'm sorry if I'm making you feel uncomfortable. But you really, like, this is just real. Like, and it's okay. We just need to be vulnerable with each other as a body and just say, like, hey, I need my heart healed up. Can you pray for me? It's not always, like, formal inner healing, even though that's, like, the best thing, I think, for us, but it's just being vulnerable with your friends and just saying, I need my heart healed up. Um, Another thing is self-talk. I think this is so underrated. Um, It's just talking to yourself. I don't think if we're going to pursue the promises and call of God in our lives, like, if we're going to truly see this nation reformed, then we cannot afford to have a thought in our mind that isn't God's and isn't the Father's about us. I think every one of us have thoughts and lies that we can so easily believe about ourselves, like, oh, yeah, I'm not that successful, I'm not this, I'm not that, whatever. But it's like, how dare we actually do that? We are made in the image of Christ. We, we belong to him. We don't belong to ourselves. We belong to Jesus. And so I just want to share a quick story here. Um, I had a friend in high school. Um, he was a really good guy, like, an amazing person, but he struggled with depression at, like, a really high level, and he um, would always say to me, like, before I share this, I understand there is, like, medical um, depression and stuff where it's, like, really hard to find joy and be positive and stuff, and that's real, um, but he would just speak light, like, death over himself, and he's like, man, I suck, and he's like, I have no purpose, you know, like, I don't even deserve to live, like, God doesn't love me, no one loves me, and he would start prophesying the exact thoughts of the enemy over himself, he'd be like, I'm not gonna have a wife one day, I'm not gonna have a family, I'm not gonna have anyone that loves me one day, and I'm like, dude, you're literally prophesying what the devil wants you to prophesy over your life, and I just was telling him, I'm like, man, you need to fight for yourself, you need to fight and and push against this with God, and I'd prophesy over him and say that you are loved, and you are more than enough, and you are strong, man. You're courageous. You can do this, but 
this isn't even I, this isn't necessarily a Victoria story. He's still he's still around and I think he's doing okay. But he actually wanted to unfriend me because he's like, man, you're too positive. You're too like you just are always like sharing truth with me and I don't want to hear it. Like like I'm not there right now and I just I can't be around it. And I'm like, man, I'm just fighting for you. I'm like, you're literally prophesying the enemy's plans of your life instead of God's. And that is obviously a very drastic like level, but we all need to have the thoughts of God in our minds, whether it's about your work. Like what is, what is the word over your life for your work? What is the word over your life for your family? Banding Leapster spoke about this at the, the conference in Toronto and just said like you should know the word of God over everything in your life. You know, for me and Katrina, I know we want to do ministry together and like, okay, our, our marriage is going to be a marriage that helps other people. It's going to be a marriage that's full of love and thriving, and we're going to help other people in other nations and encourage people back to first love in Christ. But we need to have this for every area of our life. We need to be moving in a direction in all areas of our life towards Christ. 1 Corinthians 10.5 says, We can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. And I encourage you this week even, or even today, even tomorrow, in your, maybe it's in your marriage or friendships or in your job or even your thoughts towards yourself, be aware of your self-talk and what you're telling yourself because it can be super destructive or it can be a super massive blessing. I know for myself, I'm very positive. And so I'm always, whenever I experience a negative thought, I'm just trying to say, God, okay, what are you saying? And it's awesome. Like, people look at me like, why are you always happy? I'm like, because I just, I have to meditate on truth or else I'm just going to be completely derailed. <laughs> that thought was going somewhere better. I don't know. <laughs> just, it's good to be positive. Have good thoughts in your mind. Whatever. Um, so what, the last thing I want to touch on uh, before we wrap this up is um, the, the, simple, the most simple thing is just if we're going to pursue the promises and call of God on our life and as a church, it's just intimacy with God, intimacy with the Father. And simply put, intimacy creates identity in all of our lives. Um, you know, I remember when I first got saved, it wasn't me trying to be a good Christian that transformed me, but it was me being alone in my room for 30 minutes a day with the Word with God, praying and trying to understand who He is, trying to hear His voice. That's what changed my heart. When I, when I ended up breaking up addiction from, from marijuana in my life, I didn't even know that it was wrong at the moment. I was just full, so full of the Holy Spirit that, like, when I, when I tried it again one time when I was 16, I'm like, whoa, this is so fake. Like, the Holy Spirit is what I need. I'm way more high on God than I need that. Like, that's just fake. And so it's like our identity is created through intimacy with God, and it's real. Proverbs 21, 21 says here, The lovers of God who chased after, who chased after righteousness, who is Jesus, will find their, all their dreams come true, an abundant life drenched with favor, and a fountain that overflows with satisfaction. Yeah, it's so good. I'm going to read it again. The lovers of God who chase after righteousness, who is Jesus, will find all their dreams come true, an abundant life drenched with favor, and a fountain that overflows with satisfaction. It's when we pursue his face above all else that our identity is created. And I really, I really have the strong feeling in my heart is that when, when our intimacy with God takes a deep root, then we can handle a deep calling. But that's not the way it works. It doesn't work in the kingdom when we want a deep calling, we want to make a significant impact, and we just want it for a title, or we want it because it's cool, or it's like what I should do. God wants it when we have a deep relationship with him so we can handle the weight of what God wants to hand to us. You know, I think that like... God, God wants to do things in this city and in this nation, in this region. He wants to do some amazing things, but he definitely doesn't want to just hand it to people um, who can't make him a priority in their day. 
and they can't spend time with him or they can't read the word a bit, I think we need to really just set our standards higher of what God has called us to and that we're not meant to be mediocre Christians, but we're meant to be leaders of this nation. And our church isn't meant to just be, you know, a side thing in our society, but the central figure of society, that the body of Christ is meant to lead and guide this nation, not our politics and our government, that we are meant to influence everything to help steer towards wholeness in Christ and that God would redeem this earth. Intimacy with God is it's the gateway into the promises of God. It's the source of strength you will need to walk out your calling. Uh, it's the roadmap to your calling. Uh, he's your friend in time, in, in time of need, and he's everything you need to walk into your calling. <laughs>